1: Sometimes when we're not going the way the Lord wants us to go and he allows things in our lives that aren't pleasant to try to get our attention, to try to get us to repent. All right. It's interesting. Sometimes we will lash out at the very instrument that he's trying to use to get us back on the right path. We start beating our donkeys and God's trying to use them to get our attention, to get us back on the right path.
0: Sometimes in life, the very person you want to lash out on is the person that God's trying to use to get your attention. In today's message from Pastor Danny, he teaches you that sometimes God will allow unpleasant circumstances to happen to get your attention. He'll also use people that you don't care for to get your attention in order that you might get back on the right path. Pastor Danny encourages you to see the events and people in your life and to ask God to reveal His purposes to you through them. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Numbers chapter 22 as he continues his message, the story of Balaam.
1: Verse 31, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. Good move. Good move. And the angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? You see, uh, again, I could get off on this, but I'm not going to. But sometimes when we're not going the way the Lord wants us to go and he allows things in our lives that aren't pleasant to try to get our attention to try to get us to repent, all right? It's interesting. Sometimes we will lash out at the very instrument that he's trying to use to get us back on the right path. We start beating our donkeys. Sometimes the jackass is in a human body and God's trying to use them to get our attention, to get us back on the right path. Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. Reckless, it means to act without thinking or caring about the consequences. You're headed for trouble, Balaam. The donkey saw me, turned away from me these three times. If she had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now, but I would have spared her. Wow. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I've sinned, I didn't realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you're displeased, I will go back. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. When Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him at the Moabite town on the Arnon border at the edge of his territory. Balak said to Balaam, did I not send you an urgent summons? Why didn't you come to me? Am I really not able to reward you? And Balaam says, well, I've come to you now. But can I say just anything? I must speak only what God puts in my mouth. Then Balaam went with Balak to Kiriath Huzoth. Balak sacrificed cattle and sheep and gave some to Balaam and the princes who were with him. Next morning, Balak took Balaam up to Bamoth Baal, and from there he saw part of the people, part of the people of Israel. Chapter 23, Balaam said, build me seven altars here and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me. Balak did as Balaam said, and the two of them offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Now question, why are they offering these specific offerings? I think the answer is in the next two verses. Then Balaam said to Balak, stay here beside your offering while I go aside. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet with me. Whatever he reveals to me, I'll tell you. Then he went off to a barren height. God met with him and Balaam said, I have prepared seven altars and on each altar, I've offered a bull and a ram. Now for me, that's a hint that God told him what to offer. The Lord put a message in Balaam's mouth. He said, go back to Balak and give him this message. So he went back to him and found him standing beside his offering with all the princes of Moab. Then Balaam uttered his oracle. And here it goes. I'm just going to read it. Balak brought me from Aram, the king of Moab, from the eastern mountains. Come, he said, curse Jacob from me. Come, denounce Israel. How can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? From the rocky peaks, I see them. From the heights, I view them. I see a people who live apart and do not consider themselves one of the nations they've been redeemed from the world. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and may my end be like theirs because God has planned for them eternal treasure, eternal riches, and that's the oracle. The first oracle I wrote Declares Balaam's inability to curse a people that God has blessed. The people of Israel are called to live their lives separate from the nations. They are a people redeemed from this present world whose destiny is something to be coveted. Balak doesn't like what he said. Verse 11, Balak said to Balaam, Balaam, what have you done to me? I brought you to curse my enemies, but you've done nothing but bless them. And he answered, Must I not speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? Then Balak said to him, Come with me to another place where you can see them. You'll see only a part, but not all of them. And from there, curse them for me. So he took him to the field of Zophim on the top of Pisgah. There he built seven altars, offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Balaam said to Balak, stay here beside your offering while I meet with him over there. The Lord met with Balaam and put a message in his mouth and said, go back to Balak and give him this message. This is message number two. So he went to him, found him standing beside his offering. With the princes of Moab, Balak asks him, what did the Lord say? And then he utters his second oracle. And I'll read it. Arise, Balak, and listen. Hear me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I've received a command to bless, and he is blessed. I cannot change it. No misfortune is seen in Jacob. No misery observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with them. The shout of the king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. They have the strength of a wild ox. There's no sorcery against Jacob. No divination against Israel. It'll now be said of Jacob and of Israel, see what God has done. The people rise like a lioness. They rouse themselves like a lion. There's not rest till he devours his prey and drinks the blood of his victims. This oracle speaks of Israel's widespread prosperity, tremendous fruitfulness, prophesies of a glorious future. Balak doesn't like what he had to say. Verse 25, then Balak said to Balaam, neither curse them at all nor bless them at all. In other words, if you can't do something right, just keep your mouth shut. Balaam answered, did I not tell you, I must do whatever the Lord says? Then Balak said to Balaam, Come, let me take you to another place. Perhaps it'll please God to let you curse them from me from there. And Balak took Balaam to the top of Peor, overlooking the wasteland. Balaam said, Build me seven altars here, prepare seven bulls and seven rams. Balak did as Balaam had said, and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Now, when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not resort to sorcery, as at other times, but he turned his face toward the desert. When Balaam looked out and saw Israel encamped tribe by tribe, the Spirit of God came upon him, and he uttered his oracle. And this is the third one. And if you're still awake, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it anyway. The oracle of Balaam, son of Beor, the oracle of one whose eyes sees clearly, the oracle of one who hears the words of God, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate, whose eyes are opened. How beautiful are your tents, O Jacob, your dwelling places, O Israel. Like valleys they spread out, like gardens beside a river, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. Water will flow from their buckets. Their seed will have abundant water. Their king will be greater than Agag. Their kingdom will be exalted. God brought them out of Egypt. They have the strength of a wild ox. They devour hostile nations, break their bones in pieces. With their arrows, they pierce them. Like a lion, they crouch and lie down like a lioness who dares to rouse them. May those who bless you be blessed and those who curse you be cursed. With each of the first three oracles, it's gotten worse for Balak. In the first one, Balaam fails to curse Israel. In the second, he blesses Israel. In the third, he curses Balak, an enemy of Israel. Then Balak's anger burned against Balaam he struck his hands together and he said to him, I summoned you to curse my enemies, but you blessed him these three times. Now leave it once. Go home. I said I would reward you handsomely, but the Lord has kept you from being rewarded. I don't think Balaam liked hearing that. And yet here's what he says. Balaam answered, Balak, did I not tell you the messenger, tell the messengers you sent me? Even if Balak gave me his palace filled with silver and gold, I could not do anything of my own accord, good or bad, to go beyond the command of the Lord. And I must say only what the Lord says. Now I'm going back to my people, but come. Let me warn you of what this people will do to your people in days to come. And he utters his last oracle. And when I began to study for this, and I came to this oracle, I had forgotten. It's a Christmas oracle. How can you plan that? I planned this teaching months ago. It's a Christmas oracle. I told the guys in the back as we prayed to come out and do the service. I even gave them a hint. I said, It's Numbers, chapter 22 to 25. It's the story of Balaam, and it's a clear Christmas oracle. Deer in the headlights. Then he uttered his oracle. The oracle of Balaam, son of Beor, the oracle of one whose eyes sees clearly, the oracle of one who hears the words of God, who has knowledge from the Most High, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate and whose eyes are open. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. A scepter is a staff representing the sovereignty and the authority of the one who holds it. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the sons of Sheth. Edom will be conquered. Seir, his enemy, will be conquered. But Israel will go strong. A ruler will come out of Jacob and destroy the survivors of the city. I want to say one more time, Balaam had a widespread reputation. People far and wide knew about him. And this oracle recorded for us, no doubt, was studied by some wise men. They're called stargazers. They study the stars. And they knew of Balaam's oracle. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. A ruler will come out of Jacob. They're from the land of Babylon. That's where Balaam is from. These wise men that came to Bethlehem. They would have also known about another wise man's oracle, prophetic oracle, because he lived the majority of his life in Babylon. He was a high government official. His name is Daniel. And he prophesied in Daniel chapter 9, the timing of when the ruler would come. And these wise men, when they put these prophecies together, as they studied the stars, they came to Herod and they said, we've come to see the one born king of the Jews. We saw his star in the east, and God miraculously used that star to lead them to the very birthplace of this ruler. Is that not cool stuff? That's cool stuff. I think three people just woke up, but we're not done yet. Then Balaam saw Amalek, uttered his oracle. Amalek was first among the nations, but he will come to ruin at last. Then he saw the Kenites, uttered his oracle, your dwelling place is secure, your nest is set in a rock, but you Kenites will be destroyed when Asher takes you captive. Then he uttered his oracle, ah, who can live when God does this? Ships will come from the shores of Katim. they will subdue Asher and Eber, but they too will come to ruin. Then Balaam got up and returned home, and Balak went on his way. End of story, right? Balak can't destroy the Israelites, Balaam can't curse them. And so the Israelites live happily ever after because of all that God has done for them and all that God has planned to do for them. That's not what happened. Balaam said all the right things, heard clearly from God, prophesied. He talks about even falling down prostrate before the Lord. And he seemed to end with a continued commitment to do only what God directed him to do. But that is not the whole story. 2 Peter chapter 2. Sad verses. Second Peter chapter 2, and the whole context, Peter's writing, inspired by the Spirit, about false teachers, about godless people that have even infiltrated the church. He says in verse 13, they'll be paid back with harm for the harm they've done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight, their blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. They're a part of your church. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They're experts in greed and a cursed brood. They've left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved the wages of wickedness. Jude writes about the same people with this kind of character. He says, verse 11, Woe to them, they've taken the way of Cain. They've rushed for profit into Balaam's error. Something was going on in Balaam's heart that could not be seen on the surface. He was a person who said all the right things, even confessed the sin that God confronted him with, seemed to be committed to the God of Israel, but in truth, his heart had never really changed. He's the Old Testament equivalent to the New Testament Judas. Watch out for people like Balaam because you'll find them in the church. They say all the right things, but they seduce you. They lead you away. They lead you into sin because their hearts are really dark. And these are the kind of people, as I began to bring it to a close, these are the kind of people that become strategic instruments in the hands of the enemy to lead God's people astray. Did you hear what I just said? They become strategic instruments in the hands of the enemy to lead God's people astray watch out. The last part of our story is the first part of Numbers chapter 25. While Israel was staying in Shittim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with the Moabite women who invited them to the sacrifices to their gods. The people ate and bowed down before these gods, so Israel joined in worshiping the Baal of Peor, and the Lord's anger burned against them. Here's a people that the enemy could not curse. Here's a people that God had redeemed. Here's a people that God has eternal riches and eternal blessings planned for. And the only way they can mess up is if they choose to. Is if they choose to. How in the world could chapter 25, verses 1 through 3 happen? How could it happen? I'll tell you how it happened. Revelation 2 to the church of Pergamum. Jesus said, you have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols, that's compromise, and by committing sexual immorality. Something happened on Balaam's way back home. Did I not tell you, even if Balak gave me his palace filled with silver and gold, I could not do anything of my own accord, good or bad. Now I'm going back to my people. And somewhere on the way back, or after he got back, he changed his mind. He saw the blank paycheck. And he went back to Balak. He said, I still can't curse them, still can't use sorcery, but I got a great idea. Get your best looking women. Get your best looking women. And just go out and invite the Israelite men to the sacrifice of your gods. I think we'll get them. And they did. Balak was taught by Balaam how to get in the back door. Jesus said, these things that cause people to sin are bound to come, but woe to that person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. So watch yourselves. I know, I should have just stayed on the Christmas oracle, huh? (laughs) Jesus said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? That's what Balaam did. In your name, drive out demons, perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, evildoers. Away from me. Sad end. Numbers 31 verse 8 says that Israel, when God used them to take vengeance on the Midianites, it says they also slew Balaam, son of Peor, with the sword. He died. He's in hell. And it was used by the enemy to seduce. Uh, Ladies, I just want to say in closing, be careful how you dress. Doesn't tell us in the text, but I think, I think they dress those Moabite women up very seductively. It doesn't say that, but they were used in a very seductive manner. And uh, I hope I don't know how to explain to any lady, young, old, or middle-aged here tonight, what guys, how guys have been created, you know. Uh, I'm telling you, just, it's just the look. It's just the look, and it, it's, we're, like, we're, like light bulbs. we're like light bulbs. You guys are like microwaves, So somebody said it. We're like light bulbs. Just, you can turn us on, we just, one, just one switch, boom, there it is. That's why God says through Paul, I want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety. Don't just follow the, the uh, style if the style is, is not godly, not godly. And let me say to all of us uh, before we leave, I got, I got three things, and they're in, it's in my brain. It's in my brain. Hopefully, it's in my heart <laughs> every day, too. Here's my counsel, and it's eight eleven, and we're done. I'm, I'm not going to pro- prolong this. How to escape sexual... Uh, temptation. First of all, flee. That's, flee. Flee. That's what First Corinthians 6:18 says. Flee sexual immorality. You look at Joseph in the Old Testament, when Potiphar's wife, his boss's wife tried to seduce him repeatedly, he fled. he fled. He fled. He fled. He ran. You stay around. You say, well, I can handle it. You can't handle it. You can't handle it. It's like the proverb that says, who can put fire in his lap and not get burned? Get her out of your lap. Get him out of your lap. Be different. And if you you think you can, you know, be alone in a dark place late at night, especially their apartment, are you crazy? Are you crazy? I got to close. Flee, fortify. First Thessalonians says we ought to learn to control our bodies in a way that's holy and honorable. I tie physical things with spiritual things and sexual things, you know? I mean, that's all tied together. Paul, the apostle said, I beat my body, make it my slave. You know, uh, Self-control, absolutely essential in the Christian life. Develop and maintain it. Develop and maintain it. Flee, fortify, and fight the battle daily. Because Jesus said, Matthew 6, every day has enough evil. But there is a day of evil coming. Satan's scheming. And he knows just when to send her your way. He knows just when to send him your way. He knows just when to, just when to put that Facebook contact on there from that person back in high school or back in college. And now you're married, but you're not happily married, but you're married and you keep that covenant that you made before God. And you don't let the seducer and the tempter lead you down that path to begin to chat. And I know I've been there and thank God I got off that path because my wife threatened to kill me if I didn't. (laughs) Flee, fortify, fight the battle daily. One moment in time, A man, after God's own heart, decided to take a break. It happened to be spring, so he took a spring break, and he went out on his balcony, and he saw Bathsheba bathing. And that's the beginning of the end of the story. He let his guard down one night, one one day, and the rest is history. Jesus, come quickly. I'm tired of fighting, but I'm going to keep fighting, and you keep fighting too.
0: That's all we have for today on The Living Word. If you have any questions for us about what you heard from Pastor Danny's study in numbers, please email us. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccfstpete.church. The Living Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Petersburg, Florida. If you're interested in connecting with us over social media, look for us on Facebook, Instagram, or on our YouTube channel. You can search for Calvary Chapel Fellowship or you can find us by following the links at our website ccfstpete.church If you happen to be in the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to meet you. Every message you hear on the Living Word comes from a teaching Pastor Danny has shared at Calvary Chapel Fellowship and you're invited to join us for our weekly services. Our church is filled with imperfect people being made holy by our perfect Creator. Join us on Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m to worship God, read His Word, and get to know each other better. Find directions at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. Our time with you has officially come to an end, but we're honored you tuned in today to study the Word. Join Pastor Danny next time as he continues teaching through the Book of Numbers right here on The Living Word.